see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. One of the many benefits of PMMI Media Group is it allows me the opportunity to pick the brains of our best-in-class editors who see and hear about the latest and greatest innovations and trends facing packaging and processing. Today, I talk with David Miller from Automation World, Joyce Fassel from ProFood World, Karen Sukney from Healthcare Packaging, and Matt Reynolds from Packaging World, all about what they found important at Pack Expo Las Vegas and Healthcare Packaging Expo. We touch everything, including automation, robotics, sustainability, and much more. With Pack Expo Express providing on-demand content through November 19th, it's a great overview of things you may have missed at the show. And exhibitor showrooms you may want to check out while it's still online at PackExpoExpress.com. For our supplier listeners, it highlights the things driving the industry and could help shape future ideas or plans now that you're back at the plant. Let's have a listen. So I guess kind of to, to kick things off, um, one of the easy ways to, that we can talk about is automation. Automation has obviously become a big deal, um, even more so in the past 18 months as companies have needed to find ways to keep moving as we're an essential business and people need to keep working. So as our automation guy, David, what have you seen out there? Yeah, well, um, the first thing is obviously there's still so much to see because uh, you know we've really just gotten here and there's so many booths out there, but just this morning... Um, I actually was able to stop by a few booths and I saw some collaborative robots from Universal Robots. Um, their, their new UR10E Cobot, which is a high payload Cobot. So this is, I believe, the highest payload capacity of, of any of their Cobots they've yet released. Um, it's 12.5 kilos, and I think that's 25% higher than any of their uh, previous models. So the reason this is interesting is because um, actually in covering Cobots over the past few years, their increasing payload capacity is a trend I've seen uh, repeatedly. And, you know, typically Cobots are selected due to their ease of use. They can be configured and programmed very easily. They're very easily deployed. But one of the things that happens is because you get that ease of deployment, you often have a trade-off in terms of things like speed and payload capacity, of right. course. So what we see with this cobot that has this higher payload capacity and many others that are coming out of the market or that are like it is that you're still getting that ease of use, you're still getting many of those benefits, but we're doing it without as many of the trade-offs. 
again, and cobots are huge. As you've spoken to, the, the, the technology getting better to where people can use them. And I guess really the issue at this point is just trying to get like a, where ROI balances off that you can get people, your, your yes. upper management to, to bring them into the plants. I'm seeing that, I, just to uh, jump in, sorry, uh -huh. but I, I, you mentioned all. the higher capacity. Um, I haven't seen it yet because I'm scheduled to go visit tomorrow, yeah. possibly uh, Wednesday. But Columbia Okura is a machine builder um, over here in the Central Hall. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, their, we all know their MiniPal, I think it's historically, mm -hmm. they've used their MiniPal. They're increasing capacity on the MiniPal up by 20% yeah. in payload, uh, which they hadn't done previously using the, U, the UL um, technology. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that. Now for people that wouldn't know, what kind of markets is this going to work in? like vertical markets that you would be able to utilize these cobots like this? Is it something that, that, that it could go across all spheres? For these uh, collaborative robots that have the, the palletizing setup, I would say anything in a corrugated box, really. Okay. The only uh, bound is the size and the payload. Uh, it's the upper bound. And the smaller bound would be, you know, what's ridiculous to require right, a, a robot. Right. So within the realm of reason, there's no industry that really would be immune from the potential of collaborative robots that I can think of at least. I mean, yeah. All right, well, Matt, since you, you know, have the stage, what, what have you seen since you've been out there, you know, for half of the first day? Well, uh, starting off, I stopped by Speedy Packaging Machinery, and they're getting more and more into the cannabis market. Um, they have a machine ID. It's a filling system, actually. So a historical problem with cannabis, the flower, like the plant, um, is that oftentimes the package that the, the plant goes in is so wildly much more heavy then the pack, like it could be three grams of product in a in a ten gram uh, glass bottle or more right. glass bottle yeah. when it's glass. So much headspace. Uh, so the the variation uh, between different even uh, glass bottles as they go through might be greater than the variation of the product that's going in. So this unique system basically weighs whatever dram or bottle. Again, it's usually glass because the heavier the package, the more ne uh, necessary the system might be. Um, but it weighs the glass ahead of time then fills and then weighs again to subtract whatever the uh, unfilled bottle weight was right. to get the actual real net weight of the product and keep that much more accurate uh, going on. Speedy had another machine that potentially in the future could be used for the cannabis industry as well, um, but it's so big, so fast, and it fills so many gummies, in this case it's vitamin gummies, mm -hmm. that there just isn't a, a national brand making cannabis gummies at this scale and speed. So maybe if there's some federal laws that change it where you can have some centrally located manufacturing facility. Uh, this is a machine, uh, just looking at the numbers here, it can fill 60 to 75 count uh, bottles, again, vitamin gummies, not necessarily cannabis yet, at 180 to 200 a minute. And they are able to go so fast because they have this technology in the filler that um, it strings out the gummies one by one. Uh, so that they enter the bottle through the bottleneck, which is a literal bottleneck in the filling process. In this case, it strings it out into a singular right. uh, fill. And it also has a lot of uh, features that we see in other uh, machinery, and that's you know a lot of quick changeover, uh, toolless changeover parts, rails, guide rails, all these kinds of things. No tools are necessary in and out. So it's a cool machine. It's uh, you know I could imagine it uh, being in the pages of Healthcare Packaging Magazine yeah. as a vitamin gummy. Uh, cannabis isn't there yet. They don't need the throughput or volume. But when they do, this is the kind of machine that will be available. Yeah. When I when I have cannabis questions or cannabis packaging questions, I usually go to Karen for, yeah. for these and types I mean, of things. At this point, we're not going to see any sort of 
60 to 75 count gummies yeah. in the cannabis space. So it'll take some time and some changes in the regulation, as you said, to really make that volume make sense and, and be legal, basically. But so. we have spoken, you and I, on podcasts about this, yeah. where there is all but, you know, albeit glacial movement at a federal level to get it more of a product like alcohol that can be you know, sold across state lines and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, there are, you know, cannabis trade associations that are working hard and they're basically at the ready with, um, you know, policies in place uh, to allow for interstate commerce, you know, at the moment that it becomes federally possible to do something like that. Awesome. So. so then it, that's where, as Matt said, something <laughs> like this that's ready made for it is already there. Yeah, for... and they can take advantage of the automation. I mean, you know, as I believe we've talked about, it just doesn't make sense to set up tiny little, you know, state-specific facilities when every other industry in this country operates on a much higher, you know, scale and can ship out anywhere. So something I'm definitely looking forward to in the future. Cool. Yeah. So, what have you seen in the time since you've been out there, Karen? <laughs> yeah, so in these brief couple of hours, I think something I'm generally pretty excited about is um, companies that are changing their blister packaging um, to be recycle ready. And so doing it in a way that it really kind of makes this practical sense where the blister and the lidding are both recyclable in the same stream. So that's kind of a problem that we're seeing as the medical and life sciences industries are generally slow to adopt sustainable packaging. Um, now they're making these changes, but we also have to think practically about whether, you know, a certain pouch and its lid or a blister and its lid are recyclable in the same stream. You know, generally a consumer or a busy nurse is not going to separate things and move them into different yeah. streams. So you, in order to kind of make the most of this new design, um, it's a good idea to have both pieces be the same material. And so one thing, we have Amcor's AmSky blister system, which eliminates PVC. Uh, by using a polyethylene thermoform blister and lidding film both together. As you may know, PVC can make packaging recycling more difficult. It can contaminate materials if consumers attempt to recycle it. So it is good to eliminate PVC where possible. And then we also have the Stream One recyclable pharma blister from Klockner Pentaplast, and that is the KP Next. And I mean, basically, this is a PET blister, and it allows pharma, nutraceutical, um, and consumer health companies to um, change to more sustainable packaging. But the cool thing about their design is that it's it's meant to be plug and play, and so they're not you're not slowing down lines or purchasing new equipment or creating new designs for these blisters. It's really just meant to, as I said, plug and play right. and just go right ahead. And so. Um, that's kind of something that I'm seeing. Um, people are hesitant to make changes in life sciences in general, but you know, a, a lot of times when you do make sustainable changes, there are these trade-offs where you're going to have to slow things down or spend you know, quite a bit more money in these designs. And so I think it's cool that companies are really looking at ways to say, how can we implement it and not have you make those trade-offs? How can we make it so that you can keep that same throughput and make a more sustainable package? Right. Because so. it, it, as a patient, if you're, if you're buying you know, a prescription or buying an over-the-counter medicine that's in a blister, you're, you want to be sustainable, you want to be as a, as a person, <laughs> but you're not choosing the medication that the doctor is giving to you based off of the package. Right. So it has to be something that starts at that level. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at a certain point, hopefully, you know, all or the majority of our packages are, are you know, these more sustainable options so that the choice becomes very easy. But that is another thing that, you know, manufacturers do have to consider is when it's a consumer health good and over-the-counter product, um, 
and a consumer does see that recyclable symbol, you know, they may choose that over the package next to it, the other brand that doesn't say it can be recycled. And so where consumers do have a choice, they're certainly clamoring and making it known that they want those sustainable packages. So it kind of just becomes this competitive advantage beyond being the right thing to do for our planet. So. Which again, you you led with this saying that it, it's usually doesn't happen overnight in life sciences yeah, because of so slow. much regulation <laughs> and people not willing to want to deal with the, the hassle, yeah, for lack yeah, of a better word, of having sure. to add all these extra steps. Regulatory requirements, really there, hard. There's less of that though. I think there, there's certainly regulatory requirements with food and beverage, not quite to the standard you are. I think Joyce and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we're seeing a lot of this move this competitive advantage that you mentioned in, in food, specifically in food and films, and as they make the, their way into monomaterials versus mm -hmm. laminated materials. Historically, you know, let's say granola bars would need a barrier layer, an oxygen ba mm -hmm. a barrier. They might need a moisture layer to make sure, you know, you know the, the humectant or the uh, whatever honey in there makes that doesn't crystallize. Mm -hmm. All these layers uh, basically create a structure, a packaging film that's unrecyclable. So this move recently has been towards these monomaterial films, mm -hmm. PE usually, right. that might use something really small like a EDOH uh, barrier layer that's applied as, as a vapor. So it's so thin that it can still be single channel, single mm -hmm. stream. Um, so we're seeing that. I think uh, Nature's Valley just came out with one that was a big splash monomaterial. And I haven't seen it yet, but um, there's a collaboration at the show. I'm probably going to see it in the next few days between... Uflex, that's a converter and a, a materials provider, and Messpack, a Duravent company. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the two of them are, are working on what you had mentioned too, is mm -hmm. not only do these materials have to work, but they have to run on existing equipment or equipment that uh, might only need minor modifications. Mm -hmm. And that's another company, Syntagon, has, uh, has uh, basically a retrofit for existing flow wrappers oh, to be cool. able to uh, pick up uh, monomaterial films where they had, or excuse me, not, mon not just monomaterial, but even paper wrapping as opposed mm -hmm. to in the move from paper, uh, in the move from uh, plastic films to paper. So a simple switch out, a retrofit of an existing machine without having to buy a whole new machine can make these uh, food and beverage companies make that switch into more sustainable options, which on the store shelf, on a retail shelf, is becoming more and more competitively. Absolutely, and you have people coming here to, to Pack Expo or Healthcare Packaging Expo to to find packages for their product, and if it is a nice, you know, organic type product, that they're coming here to find it, and in the past, it, they might have run into that where I can't put this in a package that's going to then be sustainable. So it's 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 you come with all this excitement, and then find out that it's not going to work. So it's good to hear that you're you you guys are actually citing examples of where these solutions are happening. And I know that Joyce can speak to um, some sustainable operations and some sustainable award winners that uh, I'd like to hear about, Joyce. So what do you got? Yeah, well, this afternoon, um, Pro Food World is going to be presenting our annual. Sustainability Excellence in Manufacturing Awards. This covers both packaging and processing sustainability awesome. projects. Very good. So ConAgra Brands is going to be there. We're going to have um, Dave Bowman speak. He's his, uh, Senior Director of Design Engineering at ConAgra Brands. And he's going to talk about their four projects that they won this year. One was for compressed air, steam, vacuum leak reductions online. They did another project in water reduction, um, one in paper waste reduction, and also recycling. So these are all various ConAgra plants across the country. We also have Smithfield who won a couple of awards this year. They're reducing their cardboard usage by using um, recyclable plastic totes. 
And this has saved them like tons and tons of cardboard waste going to landfills. Interesting. So they went from cardboard to plastic, which and they're people, gonna, yeah, they just have to clean them out. Right. Most people would think would be you know it's the so you know usually plastic is verboten. You know that's the worst. Right. But, but in this so case, yeah, they're reusing them. Cardboard. Yeah. Cardboard is a one-use thing. You get the cardboard out, you use it, and then it goes into recycling stream. Anytime you can add that durability, then plastic's value just goes right up. Exactly. So it's not. It, we often have to sort of defend plastic to some degree that it's not all bad we have it does serve a lot of purposes when it comes to going all the way down the supply chain like you said for getting it from smithfield i'm pretty sure is like meat products and stuff yeah hands yeah, exactly. so deli it's, meats. Yeah. It, it's coming from a farm type atmosphere to you know into a store and then to your kitchen right table. right so they're all um smithfield also had um a project where they put um like detectors on their air knives so they're able now to save compressed air um so before like product was coming uh, product wasn't coming down the line but the air was still going on right so they're saving a ton of money doing that um they also save money in the netting that they're using for their um bone-in smoke dams so those are the type of projects now this year at the sustainability awards we have a new um category and it's called the processor supplier category and uh, the winner is Graphic Packaging International, and they partnered with Liffey Meats of Ireland. Okay. And they introduced the paper seal tray, and this is going to be used in all Lidl stores in Ireland, and a part of the project is also supporting Lidl's sustainability goals. So we're going to have all these people there presenting these um, projects this afternoon. Very cool. So you also have another award that deals with manufacturing, if I'm not yes. mistaken. What's that all about? Yes. Um, we have the Manufacturing Innovation Awards from Pro Food World. And um, the first company that's going to be there is MWC. They're a subsidiary of Glanbia. Mm -hmm. And they built a fantastic greenfield, state-of-the-art, highly automated, highly efficient whey processing facility in Michigan, which I luckily got a chance to visit this oh, year. Cool. So we're going to have George Chappelle, who's the VP of Operations for Glambia. He's going to be talking about the, uh, the entire project, how it came about. Just, It's a fantastic project, so I would advise all our attendees, don't miss it. We also have a presentation about Kraft Heinz. Um, this is from their Wausau facility. And that supports the Kraft macaroni and cheese product. They refurbished their plant, put in all kinds of new equipment to improve the macaroni and cheese product. So they'll be on hand to talk about that. Again, very, very highly efficient process. All kinds of great mixing and blending, uh, you know, new equipment going on there. Now, can I find any of this equipment here? Um, yes. I would say most this. of the major players are definitely That's awesome. here. Yeah. Very cool. And um, um, actually, there's one more project, and that was CTI Foods in Saginaw, Texas. CTI Foods is known for supplying, let's say, like food service in restaurants with soups, okay. sauces, meats. And the project that won the, uh, one of the manufacturing awards this year was their taco filling line. Okay. Tacos are filled with hot meat, and then JLS comes in and moves them with their taco bots <laughs> and was able to pick up these hot filled tacos, put them in a tray, and then they're you know packaged further and frozen further, so that was a really interesting project. JLS obviously is here, right? So um, we were talking about robotics earlier. I was I mean, just going to say it comes full circle. It's very yeah, the yeah. automation. That's fantastic, and it is great to hear so much from a processing end because we have brought back the uh, processing zone, um, the return of the processing zone to the show 
which people have been clamoring for to get more processing um, machinery kind of in their own space so people know where to, where to find them, and that's fantastic to hear. Well, again, that, that put a button on it beautifully, thank you, as we did the circle with automation. So I want to thank Matt, Karen, Joyce, and David for taking time out of your day, because I know it's busy and you're running the floor, to kind of give uh, our people at home an idea of some of the things they can find here at PAC Expo Las Vegas and Healthcare Packaging Expo. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with DMMI.